All right. Um, so first of all, good evening, everybody. Welcome. I see people coming in. Um, so we're going to allow people to come in and get situated. Um, and then we'll get started. We're really excited about this because um, over the last couple of weeks, if you've been watching, uh, we've done town halls from the criminal justice system to um, housing to ASD. And after ASD, we thought it would only, um, you know, make sense to talk about um, our future leaders and people that are cultivating cultures and um, communities for our, uh, for our future leaders, which is our presidents and people that are part of administration at all of our prestigious universities and colleges here. Um, and then also we wanted to check in with our students, um, you know, because college is supposed to be a time of hard work and fun. Um, and then the coronavirus is a huge uh, monkey wrench in all of that. So um, we look forward to the information that's going to be shared tonight. And just like any other week, we're going to get started with this simple poll uh, that we, you know, just a general check in with people. Um, and you can fill it out just to let us know how you're doing. Uh, I think this is day, it feels like day 100 and something, but this is day 30 or 40 of um, social distancing or staying at home for many of us. Um, so, you know, we just want to do a quick check in to see how people are. Um, and then we'll get started. And also, uh, some of the housekeeping rules, uh, we have the chat available over here on the left. If you just want to, you know, give people a shout out, if you're a student and you want people to know that you are representing your school in here, whether you are um, a ram or a longhorn, which I am, you know, uh, you know, that's, that's my thing, or uh, uh, the Bobcats, I think it's the Bobcats, or Hilltopper, still, still not sure what that is. Um, you know, I don't even know what ACC's in Concordia, but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure Dr. Christian and Dr. Rose will let us know. Um, and yeah, so it looks well, like AC everybody's doing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Right. Riverbats. There we go. Riverbats. River yeah. Yes. The yes. riverbats. Tornadoes. The, the tornadoes. All right. I, I, I'm learning something new today. Um, so it looks like most people are doing okay. Um, some, a, a few of us are saying, you know, it could be worse, which I agree. I think the fact that we're here on Zoom and we are able to use our privilege and technology to have this conversation is, is definitely a privilege. Um, nobody's miserable so far, so that's a good thing. And a few of us, um, and I think many of us would mix the last one with everything else. We can't wait to get out of the house. Um, but, you know, as long as we're keeping everybody safe, um, I think we'll be able to do that in a, in a, in a very um, short time. So we'll keep that open for a little bit. And then, um, yeah, so all of our students, we're going to get started with our students. Um, so all of our students, please, you know, unmute your mic. And um, I'm going to get started with, um, I think our most affected student who is a senior um, and I don't think she had any coronavirus plans in her senior year activities um, <laughs> and that is Miss Krista uh, she's a student at Concordia I'm going to let her introduce herself um, and then you know just let us know how this is affecting you your senior year and how this is affecting the campus life and culture at Concordia. Hi guys, uh, I'm Krista. I'm a political science major at Concordia. I'm a senior and it's definitely been an interesting time because there's a lot of uncertainty in times that are already pretty uncertain graduating. 
but it, it's been interesting. Um, I've been applying for jobs. I just got a job, but it was definitely difficult because um, it's hard to get jobs out there. You know, a lot of people aren't hiring now because of coronavirus and a lot of jobs are moving remote for the summer. And so that's been a challenge as well. And then I'm going to grad school at UT in the fall. Hopefully we'll be able to be on campus, but I'm excited to hopefully have that happen. Uh, I think looking at the biggest things on campus, I feel like I've been relatively unaffected compared to a lot of people. And I feel like that's definitely a really privileged position. And I've been trying to reach out to other students as much as I can. Um, the biggest things I've heard about are probably the same issues that every campus is struggling with. Just, you know, students who don't have strong Wi-Fi connections, food insecurity. Um, I know a lot of people are struggling with loss of housing. I think we mitigated that at Concordia as least as possible. But just looking at, you know, ways we can get, you know, we can talk to students and get resources. Um, Concordia was really good about, you know, constantly reaching out to students. We had a form students could fill out, and I know the administrators followed up with every student. Um, we have a food campus on, we have a food pantry on campus, which I help manage. So we've been making sure that's been stocked and been open. This has been closed recently. And I just also have been really appreciative of Concordia to, you know, give students access to Wi-Fi, keep resources open like computer labs and keep housing open as long as possible. Well, thank you so much for that. And we'll, and we'll come back to you if you can stick around for a little bit. Um, and then we'll go to Jessica, who's a student from St. Edwards. So, you know, introduce yourself and give us a quick update. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, so my name's Jess. I'm actually a junior at St. Edwards, um, but I'm going to my senior year in fall. And I'm a social work major, minor in political science. Um, and I'm here representing my student body as the external affairs director in the cabinet of student government association on my campus. And um, I, I serve as a university appointee and co-chair to the city of Austin college student commission as well. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, wanted to talk about how, what I, what I, we have been seeing in some of the things that student government, like student to student response has been. Um, so, you know, I agree. I have also relatively been unaffected and compared to a lot of other students. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is that, you know, we didn't ask for this to happen and we didn't ask for the experience that we're getting, like this, the experience that we signed up for um, was, a, you know, an on-campus community that we could really build with the people here. And so I think the biggest thing is just that, like, we aren't, you know, doing college the way that we signed up for and our teachers are having to kind of reroute their entire thing. Um, but, you know, also, um, you know, students are losing on-campus jobs, off-campus jobs, you know, housing is something that's like really been hard for a lot of students and I'm lucky enough to have somewhere to go home to. Um, but so far, you know, the Student Government Association has done quite a bit. Um, we supported emergency funds through a donation of $6,000 in our remaining operational budget to our Student Emergency Relief Fund, which is administered by the Student of Concern Committee. Um, and so that was something that we could do to help students directly. Um, and the communication aspect, because it's really hard to kind of reach students and tell them what our resources are. Um, SGA helped organize a virtual webinar um, with our university administrators to provide students with some of the other resources the university is providing. Um, and, you know, for academic, we are helping to advocate to expand the university pass no pass policy. Um, and then in response to that, because some students didn't, um, you know, really like what was going on with that, help to at least send the deadline to um, apply for that um, option in academic uh, resources. Um, we also recently faced uh, athletic cuts to six of our programs. And that's something that's been really devastating to a lot of students and we have been really upset about. Um, luckily, SGA has like been able to advocate to 
um, you know, support those students and have those conversations about those decisions, um, you know, and just being engaged with the students and key administrators to better understand how and why decisions were made um, and whether or not they are responsive economically. Um, and then definitely having concerns for our DACA recipient students because, of course, the CARE Act does not cover these things. So we're really just trying to do all that we can to hit different areas of response. But I think that the student to student response luckily has been very strong. Um, and that's really what, you know, we've been trying to do here. So yeah, thanks y'all for having me. <laughs> and, um, thank you for joining us. And now we'll go to um, the student that's representing the, the illustrious and only HBCU we have in, in Austin, Miss um, uh, Safana or Safana? Um, Safana. Yes, yeah, Safana. Um, please just, you know, introduce yourself um, let us know what the, the campus culture is like at, at HT and um, how it's affecting you and some of your peers. Sure. Um, so I'm Svana Velji. I'm a business management major, junior at the illustrious Houston Tillotson University. Um, I'm also lead resident assistant for the Alan Frazier Residence Hall, as well as captain of the women's soccer team. So I have a little bit of representation in multiple areas. Um, I think that with our students, a lot of their concerns, I've been reaching out to some of them were regarding Wi-Fi, internet access. Um, a lot of people didn't really have homes to go home to. This was their home at HT and it was kind of abrupt, but it was a needed decision that had to be made during the time. Um, and we had, as resident assistants, I was actually home already for spring break and I had to come back and help move everybody out. But the way that our campus is, is everybody comes in as a community. Our emergency fund stepped up right away, got our Virgin Islanders home just in time. Um, and we have, I think about eight in total students having to still stay on campus. We have um, one Chinese exchange student and so she physically cannot go home. Um, and then a lot of the students have reached out to me saying that it's kind of hard going from college and having their independence and being with the family that they created there and then now having to come home, which some students have difficulties at home um, or in the environments that they live in that they can't really excel at the scholastic level. Um, there's a difference of going from HT, which has all the resources like learning labs, math labs, writer studios for these students. And then when they go home, they don't have that access. Um, but luckily our school has stepped up and we've had more virtual tutoring services for our students. Our math lab and our writer studio are open for our students to schedule like this Zoom meetings um, with the tutors. Um, but a lot of our tutors, including myself, we didn't get employed back because we don't have enough um, people asking for these services because some people just can't get on computers to get help. Um, but I do know that a lot of professors are working with their students independently. And I think that's one of our biggest advantages at our school is that because our ratio from student to professor is so small, we're able to really get to know our professors and they really care about um, our students and they really reach out. I know some students don't have access to a computer and so they really work with them on phone or um, just reaching out to them of alternate assignments that they could do because they can't access it at home. Um, so I haven't been personally affected as much as others. My mom does work in the medical field so I'm more isolated than anybody else because we don't want to risk anything for anybody. Um, so I'm going a little stir crazy but um, everybody, all the, I know that our athletes um, especially the women and men's soccer team, we're actually doing virtual workouts with our strength and conditioning coach. Um, it's not mandatory because some people just don't have the access, but it's a good thing. And then we're also talking with potential recruits to still build that connection and keeps our campus culture. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, next, we'll go to Wendy Rodriguez, who um, represents um, my, my, my old alma mater, um, the, the, the University of Texas at Austin. Um, Wendy, please introduce yourself and, and give us a quick update. Yeah, so hi, I'm Wendy Rodriguez. I am studying communication and leadership at UT. I am a junior. And uh, right now, I um, am not as personally affected as a lot of my peers and classmates are. Uh, but what can I tell you? It's been a roller coaster at UT um, with um, having our provost and our president uh, leave uh, two different uh, job opportunities later. Um, but overall, uh, as a student, uh, I've been, uh, as a, I'm a, also a college student commissioner for the city of Austin and a student organizer within UT. Uh, and what we've been seeing is that there are a lot of students who are like there wasn't already an evil an equal playing field at UT or in colleges and with this whole pandemic going on it <laughs> it just threw it out of uh, proportions um, thankfully UT did create a coronavirus response page with a lot of links there was emergent emergency uh, for students like for food rent gas uh, but this was a little selective. I know a friend who didn't have a computer and it was a little hard for her to apply because of the like requirements to achieve, like to get it. Um, and I've, all, but what I've seen that is really um, inspiring and motivating is how much, how students are coming together during this time at UT, forming coalitions, forming mutual aid uh, collectives and spreading resources to students and to Austinites. And it's really, it's been really beautiful, uh, pretty much saying uh, we are the people we've been waiting for to like help each other. Um, and I think across the country, we've seen this as well with people coming together um, and helping. There, we also, at UT, there was also a student movement to push for a double A policy was created that reached almost 9,000 um, signatures. Unfortunately, we did not get the double A, but we did get the pass fail. Uh, but a lot of what students were, uh, trying to advocate for the AA was because um, a lot of them mentioned how they lost their jobs and are struggling to make ends meet. They're worried about paying bills and their health, yet are expected to study. Um, many had to return to family, families abroad and have classes at 2 a.m. Um, so that's kind of been really uh, chaotic for some students. Uh, some say school shouldn't be another stressor. Some have family members and friends who have tested positive for COVID-19 and some who've even unfortunately died. Uh, and it's been really hard on UT, um, not just UT students, but any student um, who has to go through this. We've like all, all colleges, we've transitioned onto Zoom, which in, thankfully we've had uh, the ability to have it recorded for students who can't make it during the set class time. Uh, but there is students who have children of their own that they're taking care of or siblings and uh, just, lack of internet, uh, technology. It, we're, I think all we're trying to do uh, is focus on equity and just making sure that students across our campus are having the ability to study even through this really chaotic time. Um, but it's really nice to see Longhorns coming together and uh, a lot of communication from the school um, as coming in to protect us. Well, Wendy, thank you so much. And you know what they say what starts to change the world, so I'm glad that my Longhorn fan is um, um, is still doing good things. Uh, we'll we'll take a quick trip down 35. Um, 
to a place where I had a lot of good fun in college, uh, Texas State. And we'll hear from Ms. Danielle Deckert um, to let us know um, how the Bobcat family is responding to coronavirus and how she's um, responded to it as well. Um, so, Danielle, go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this conversation. It really is so important. Um, my name is Danielle Deckard. I'm a junior at Texas State University, majoring in political science with a minor in mass communications. I can definitely relate to saying that in no way at all have I been affected as much as many other students have been. I was a bit reluctant to come home. Um, as most students can relate, I feel like when you spend a bit of time in your college town, you develop this sense of like identity and routine. That wasn't something that I wanted to step away from, but I did recognize the importance of coming home um, just as the option of security with resources. And the unfortunate reality is a lot of students don't have this privilege. And that's what I wanted to ensure that I was bringing to this conversation. Um, during this time, I feel like we can describe the theme of things as like a theme of like turmoil, we really are in a state of uncertainty and while living through distress and disaster. So the things that I wanted to focus on was housing contracts, tuition costs, and mental health uh, resources being provided to college students. Uh, because just being brutally honest here, the people who are suffering the most through this are those who do not have the financial means or resources to be okay living through a state of uncertainty um, like this. And um, so a lot of off-campus apartments, they've been notifying students about the different safety protocols and procedures that they're engaging in, which I do think when having a conversation about campus community, this is important to bring up. However, um, I just would like to know when we will begin to be notified of the accommodations that will be made for students who cannot uphold their leasing contracts. And how student housing works is these contracts are 12 month lease and a lot of them have signed leases that will begin in August. And they're left with these decisions where they're either going to have to find someone to take over it with right now who really is looking to sign a lease. Um, pay like six months rent up front or just solely walk away from it, which is really going to affect their credit. And it's just unfortunate because this process is significantly hurting students who are financially suffering more than those who are not. And it's apparent and I just hope that some insight as to what these um, properties are going to do to provide accommodations will be shared with these students. Because um, like I said, being in a state of uncertainty, it really just is a lot to deal with. Um, I did see that the American campus communities, um, they're actually in Austin and they have six different residential communities near UT. They've developed a hardship program for students and families who are enduring financial hardships and they've been impacted by COVID-19 financially. And this attitude of, we know that these students can potentially be suffering, we recognize it, this is what we're doing, we care. Um, this attitude is appropriate for going through a pandemic like this, and I feel like we need to see more of this. So I just hope that the off-campus communities and San Marcos, we can begin to see these um, programs being developed. Also with tuition costs, um, as we all know, the dates like to change your financial information for FAFSA has changed, I mean has passed for summer and fall of 2020. However, the complexity of the situation and like family and students' financial status is they're changing and it's real. And I um, just hope that more emergency aid can be given um, because if 
are you really just left with right now to either take out loans or to claim independence if you haven't already? And in order to make that claim, there has to be a case of parental abuse, abandonment, decease, or your parent being laid off. And like I said, with the complexity of this, a lot of these financial changes don't fall directly into those categories. So um, I just think that like with uh, housing and with tuition costs, these students who will be suffering financially through this pandemic um, and these hardships that they're experiencing, I just hope that they will be heavily prioritized and brought up in discussions with um, university officials when making decisions on how they want to move forward throughout this pandemic. And then lastly, what's really important is mental, resource, uh, mental health resources being provided for college students. Um, I know at Texas State University, they're still offering virtual and over-the-phone counseling services. And it is uh, the sad reality, but when college students are entering um, school, a lot of times they're going to experience new or heightened emotions of anxiety and depression. And now battling these hardships that are coming along with this, it's a lot. It's a lot of change that we're dealing with, and it's going to take a huge toll on a lot of students' mental health. Um, so just having universities prioritize these counseling services, trying to find means to offer them virtually. And if those means aren't available, just simply something as simple as sending out information with various tips on how to preserve sanity and mental health throughout all of this can really be beneficial to students. Um, but ultimately, I just, uh, I think a sense of community is something really important throughout all of this. And like I said, just to have, to have an attitude of we recognize that these students can potentially be suffering and this is what we're doing to help and we care. And um, I'm sure we all relate that we hope that this will be resolved sooner than later. And I hope everyone's taking the precautions that they can to preserve not only their own safety, but their loved ones and their communities. And um, I'm just really thankful that we could have this discussion today. Well, well thank you so much. Um, and of course, last but not least, um, the, the marvelous and magnificent, um, the, the, the students champ, the people's champ, um, Grant Loveless, uh, thank you so much for putting me in contact with these other students. I think that shows um, just how well connected you are and how uh, much you care about the student voice and the student community. So Grant, thank you. Um, and you know, without further ado, Grant, the show is yours. Like, tell us um, how this is, is affecting you. Tell us is, um, how this is affecting um, the ACC community um, that, that you're a part of. Okay, um, can y'all hear me? Okay, perfect. How is everyone today? Um, my name is Grant E. Loveless. I am a psychology and government uh, major at Austin Community College. Um, I plan to transfer to UT Austin next year. Um, and personally, I haven't been affected by COVID um, as much as uh, my other peers and colleagues have been, uh, financially speaking. Um, at ACC, a lot of students have been um, very appreciative, appreciative and loving a lot of the resources and opportunities ACC has been pushing out as far as like the drive, the drive-through uh, Wi-Fi center, um, setting up different places for students to meet and connect, um, and then doing virtual webinars to keep students engaged and up to date on what's going on with COVID and at ACC. I mean, there's always an email every day. Um, so ACC has been really on it as far as like uh, making sure that students have the resources and opportunities needed um, in order to succeed. 
a lot of students that I spoke to um, are still having trouble when it comes to food insecurity issues uh, because ACC, of course, does have food pantries on their campuses. So how are we supplying the need for students to get food and other necessities that they couldn't afford even when there was, uh, when there was no COVID? How can we still um, supply that need as far as it comes to like cleaning supplies and um, other things that students do need? Um, and then there's a digital inequity issue where students don't have a lot of techno uh, the technology to do online classes or to find those digital resources and opportunities. Um, and ACC did do, did hand out um, iPads, but a lot of some students didn't have the transportation to do so, or they were locked down in quarantine, so they were unable to actually go to the campuses that were handing out the iPads um, to get one. Um, so altogether, ACC, a lot of students have been, there hasn't been a lot of issues as far as um, things go as like, um, on the communication piece when it comes to connecting professors with students. Um, because a lot of students I've spoke to have said the communication is pretty wonderful. A lot of uh, professors are still doing uh, live calls, making sure students get the tutoring they need, the resources they need, that they have one-on-one -on -one time to discuss any um, inequities or insecurities that they are currently combating. So ACC really has been instrumental in making sure that students are safe and they have their time prioritized to make sure that they are still, you know, moving in the right direction during this COVID pandemic. Um, but yeah, altogether um, at ACC, the main, the three main things I would say that students are, that are affecting students is digital inequity, like students not having enough laptops, tablets to be able to do the online transition. And especially since, our summer classes will be online as well. How are we contributing or alleviating that issue as far as students not having um, those laptops and tablets needed? Um, and then food insecurity, how are we going to basically mobilize enough people to create care packages or something for students um, in regards to their health and wellness, um, not only mentally, but physically um, and making sure that they do have food, that they do have hand sanitizer and toilet paper and all these extra, um, extra things that we do need. Um, and then also looking at the issue of, yeah, about looking at the issue aside from food and digital in insecurity, what resources are we gathering? Um, and how can we uplift um, student-led student efforts and initiatives? Um, at ACC, we have an organization called the um, Young Democratic Socialists of America, um, and they have a chapter at UT Austin also. Um, the UT Austin and ACC um, chapters uh, created a joint response to send both to the Board of Trustees at ACC and at UT Austin, and, but there wasn't any, any, uh, any movement uh, or any response to what they've created. They created a one-pager about what different issues were going on on campus, um, what students needed, when they needed it, how they needed it, and what issues they wanted to talk about, and how they, as students, um, wanted to plan strategies um, to help alleviate or help students, assist students during the time of need. Um, so I feel like with colleges primarily, the, the primary focus should be um, assisting students in student-led um, 
and student-led endeavors because there's students doing webinars and live sessions um, and so many other things, or there's students wanting to be in said position to help other students uh, find those resources because that peer-to-peer -peer, um, counseling or that peer-to-peer -peer, um, help assistance goes a really long way. Um, so just trying to find a way, trying to find out how we can start strategizing, strategizing ways to uplift students and help alleviate and approach and uh, address the needs that are uh, hindering student success. Um, yeah, that would go a long way. But overall, um, ACC has really been good. It's been really good. Um, a lot of students have been coming to me um, telling me that, they're, that they love the student emergency funds. Um, they love that ACC has been giving out iPads and tablets. Um, a few students that I know of were unable to get said things because of public transportation and um, uh, a lot of fear of getting COVID, leaving the house. Um, so just trying to find out a way how we can mobilize and contribute to that need for students. Yeah, so Grant, thank you for that. And I think, um, I, I think that leads me to one quick follow-up question that I have for each of you before we get to administration. Um, you know, like one of the reasons I was calling this like COVID-19 in the class of 2020 um, is not the fact that, you know, um, students like Chris is graduating in 2020. Um, you know, years down the line, every student in college at this time will have this shared experience, um, which is like none other. Um, and I think you brought up a good point. I think even though you all represent um, several different institutions, several different identities, several different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, your student experience and the experience with the coronavirus um, makes you all struggle together, right? So I'm putting my organizer hat on. Um, and as a student, and I, this is kind of to paraphrase of, of David's question um, in the Q&A, um, what is something, and it sounds like all institutions are doing a really good job, um, which I think speaks to not only these institutions, but our city as well. You know, Austin is not perfect. We all know that. Uh, we, we all, you know, suffer from the diseases of uh, racism, sexism, transphobia, um, homophobia, and all these things. Um, but I think Austin tries his best to be there for one another in times like this. Um, so kind of paraphrasing again David's question, what is something um, that, the, that the institution that you are at is doing now um, that you can hope stick um, moving forward? And if they're not doing that, what is something that you would like to see uh, moving forward so we can all be better prepared for um, not just pandemics, but crisis moments, right? Um, and I, I'll start with you, um, Grant, and then we'll just move back down the line. What's something right now that you would like to see ACC do after coronavirus comes and um, go? Um, I think one thing that, well, a few things that I would still want to see is that, consist that consistency in helping students succeed. Um, because not a lot of times we don't, a lot of students, including myself, don't get the hands-on um, assistance um, when it does come to issues, including our, um, our academic journey. So finding ways of how to assist us in that need and continuing to um, still be consistent in helping solve, approach and address said issues, um, whether it's food insecurity, digital in, um, inequity, or any inequity for that matter. Um, also, I would still, I still want to see um, the push and drive um, for more digital, more digital engagement with our students. Um, ACC, throughout all departments and all different 
uh, campuses. We have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook all over the place. Um, but I think seeing it now, we're seeing that a lot of different organizations and groups and departments at ACC are now utilizing um, their digital platforms more to engage with students. And I feel like with that digital engagement piece, um, it could definitely help amplify and bridge that gap necessary um, to help uh, push forward student engagement and involvement on campus or even off campus. I know um, ACC Student Life, Accent, and other student organizations uh, like the Student Government Association at ACC have been working very hard to make sure that students are still engaged and that they're getting every one of their tasks done and they know about every single opportunity and resource out there. Um, and then also another thing that I would like to see is this beautiful collaboration um, that I love seeing between um, different ACC campuses and groups and student leaders and um, faculty and staff members to create set spaces uh, for students to feel welcome and to also feel, you know, uh, not to have a burden on their shoulder about this online transition. Uh, because a lot of students have been feeling isolated and there are many different um, issues um, aligned with the men with a person's mentality um, during this time. And just seeing how ACC faculty and staff members are doing after hour sessions with their students to make sure that they're okay, or one-on-one -on -one sessions, or making sure that students are connected to other students, which is happening in my German class. Um, that's something that I would wanna see for a, for a very long time, because even like going, looking back at my first year at ACC, um, it was always hard to collab to find other students um, as a support group or support system. And in light of COVID-19, um, a lot of different students, well, a lot of faculty and staff have been pushing and promoting that student collaboration and that uh, necessary uh, interpersonal communication between themselves and the students in the classroom as in uh, for the students themselves. And so those are, those would be the top things I would say that I would still want to see is that collaborative piece as far as like comes to like education, uh, students' academic journey, and um, yeah, because collaboration does go a long way and it does serve um, the student community a lot when it comes to a lot of inequities and um, insecurities that we do face on a day-to-day -day basis. So yes. Thank you for that. Um, Danielle, and I, I will say, students, I'm, I'm sorry, but in the interest of time, let's try to keep it um, as, as contrite as we can. Um, Danielle, what's something that you want to see um, that's happening now or not happening now, but something you would like to see moving forward um, at Texas State? Um, I would say for sure, just um, more sufficient, like, emergency aid and funding for students. I feel like if that would be given, um, and also just more insight onto what they are doing to provide this rather than um, it really hasn't been accessible. You have to like call student business services to get that information. And I feel like if they put more of an effort towards that, um, it'll avoid having an abundant amount of students and unenrolling because of their financial status is changing and feeling like they won't have a sufficient amount of aid to continue enrolling in courses. Thank you. Um, Wendy. Um, yeah, so uh, I want to start by saying that UT has like thankfully done like 
uh, its part by having UT outposts with, uh, to provide food for students who are in need or need emergency housing. And like Kim mentioned in the chat, uh, student emergency funds have been helping students with rent. So that is like good, like, uh, like how efforts do go and uh, are like helping students. Uh, something I wanna see more done at UT is more transparency. Um, what I mean by that is not just in communication and like what's going on, but uh, not in through like every, every sector, every section. Um, for example, disclosing extra purchases on the course schedule that students don't know about when they register for classes, uh, training professors on, on sexual misconduct and uh, mental health and making sure that students, because like there's been situations where students who not before the pandemic had a family situation go on or family emergency and have to leave or like kind of not can't really work like they can't really complete exams coming up because of like a sudden emergency and professors not being lenient and not like fitting being flexible with them and making the student have to drop all their classes so i guess now that there this has happened uh that i really hope UT, UT uh, works to be more equitable for students, of course. Thank you. Um, Safana, what, what, what else can, can Dr. Burnett do to, to, to make HT even better? Um, yeah, so I think that after COVID-19, protocols and classes will be very different compared to what we had before. Um, so I think that our school should just take precautions. And I think that as a lead RA, we're going to have to go through different trainings um, when we told when we had to help people move out, it was kind of in a rush and people are going to be more panicked now um, and just take extra precautions. But what I will say is that at an HBCU, we always have our campus culture and we cherish it so much. And I'm just so happy that have what we call Ramfest, which is a crazy celebration that we always have to celebrate our year. And our school is doing a virtual one just to keep our campus culture. And I think that's something that we should always do, especially during this time. We're always talking about serious issues and we're stressing about it. And I think that having the virtual Ram Fest not only helps show that our school is still supporting us, but wanting to make sure that we have light in the situation. I think that they should be commended for that. Thank you. And then we'll go to Jessica and then we'll end with our graduating senior. All right, thanks. Um, so first I just wanna say that like, I think that there are several different components of responses to this situation it's not just like one thing and i think that our students overall have been like you know extremely grateful and happy for some of them but then also upset with some of the decisions made or maybe you know not having necessarily full, full access to what we're what we're doing so um as far as the things that we could should definitely continue to do i think that our online counseling that we've started um to really focus on um, you know, having that accessible to everyone um, throughout this time is something we should definitely continue because we have an in-person in counseling sessions. But I think that, you know, making sure that we keep the emphasis on accessibility from home is also something that could help a lot of students and feeling uncomfortable going into a clinic or an office or, you know, um, the health center. Um, and then, you know, I, I also agree that like, just being able to have a little, more, a little bit more leniency academically and like just having an understanding from fa faculty, staff, administrators about like what an emergency can do to a certain student situation has been a really, really good like 
I think wake up call for everyone. Um, just like what the seriousness of any situation can be and how it can affect students in different ways and just being able to really understand and recognize that and, you know, go, moving forward. Um, you know, I, I also will say that I think the student movement thing that Grant brought up is absolutely important. And I'm not sure that, um, you know, St. Ed's handled it perfectly with the different student movements that have been happening. We also had a AA policy that we were pushing for. Um, there was, a, there was an, a petition to protest the academic cuts that happened that has over 12,000 signatures, which is, you know, more than triple our student undergrad student body. So I think that, you know, there's definitely recognition of these student-led movements. And I think that moving into the future, something that we can maybe shift a little bit better um, and that we've learned a lot from this time is the importance of those movements. Um, and like being able to incorporate students more into the initial stages of the conversation, which I think that, you know, after everything that we've experienced and the response that we've got from students and being able to really listen to them, I think that is something that is hopefully going to happen in the future and that we can definitely grow from. Um, so, you know, either way, definitely related to what's been going on. Um, and I am hoping that, you know, moving forward and, and as we move into a recovery phase that we can keep some of the things that work and learn from some of the things that maybe didn't work. Um, so yeah, definitely those things. Thanks. Thank you. And Krista, you can send us home as far as the students go. I think, Krista, if you're still there. Okay, well, we will come back to her. I mean, we're still in this age of technology where um, we're learning all the things and things are not able to keep up with us at our highest need. Um, but I will say to the students, um, as a former student organizer and now a full-time organizer, I think um, you all are doing a really good job. I think this is a unique, a unique opportunity for you all to come together and use your collective student voice to bring about the changes you need. Um, and as always, Austin Justice Coalition um, is here for the students um, if you need us. Um, Grant knows how to get in touch with us, and I know he has um, a proposal that I'm still waiting on from him. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And Krista, um, are, are you ready? Okay, all right. So, so Krista, if you can hear me, we'll just come back to you. Um, but now I'm going to turn it over to Suki, who's um, the board chair of Austin Justice Coalition, and my boss that allows me to run my mouth. Um, and I'm so grateful for her leadership. And now she's going to um, interview these fine people from these fine institutions we have. So Suki, go ahead. Yeah, and also thank you students. You guys brought up so many interesting novel ideas. I love Grant, the the peer-to-peer -peer, um, and uplifting the students and able uh, to be able to do that. We heard a lot about the digital divide. We heard a lot about uncertainty during these times. Um, food insecurity, housing insecurity, tuition. So those are all things that we're going to be discussing here in this next bit. Um, we'll also be talking, so we'll talk, we'll talk about um, struggling students and uh, the variety of different students who are struggling, um, the digital divide, school finances, the role of the university outside of education during COVID, and then we'll look a, li a little bit into the future. Um, so we have some questions about admissions. Um, I want to quickly get through that because I think that we also should probably focus the most on um, the current students and uh, students who are struggling and what our presidents and administrators can do to help them. But um, a lot of folks are wondering about um, 
how COVID-19 will impact admissions. I'll probably just ask one of you to answer this and then for the rest to add on uh, because it could be that, you know, uh, one set of recommendations would be um, helpful to build off of. Um, so if you can, um, Dr. Burnett, I'll, I'll just start with you. Um, if you can discuss, I'm gonna package these questions a little bit. Um, talk about how COVID-19 will impact the college admissions timelines. Um, a lot of schools are also going to test optional. And there, there aren't scores and um, does that mean that there will be a relative rise of importance in other areas on applications? Um, and for students who have tested strongly, what does that mean for them and their scores? Um, and what should students do with their summers? Um, how should they continue to demonstrate an interest in your institution? And finally, um, how should they weigh their options? A lot of students would typically go and visit a college campus. They would go on tours. They would spend time to really discern uh, what best fits them. So what do you have to say to students in terms of making that important decision? Um, first of all, first of all, I want to thank the Austin Justice Coalition for allowing us to do this and to thank everyone for the students' voices. Um, I took a lot of notes because when you hear from students, you find some holes in your own operation and some things you can address. So I really appreciate that. I was cheating a little bit um, to try and, and take some ideas from some, some of the students. Um, Safana, she really captured who we are as an organization. We pride ourselves on being our students home away from home. And it was, this was really hard for us. I think I can just say for one moment, before we talk about admissions, talk about commencement, um, the hardest decision that I've had to make is postponing graduation. And that's because our graduation is really a milestone in our students' lives. So to postpone that was really, really hard, but we didn't really have a choice because we'd have a gathering over 10 people. Um, so we're going to do something really big and really large for um, the class of 2020 when things settle down in a very grand way, um, in a very HBCU Houston Tillotson way. So, but to bring it, talking about bringing in the class of um, this, this, the incoming freshmen, we've been doing a lot of work virtually. I'm, I'm very proud of my campus in general because we were not an online school at all. And so this was, um, we took two weeks. So it speaks to the brilliance and the resilience of my faculty, but mostly of my students, because we, it took us two weeks to launch fully online. And that was really a chore. So we entered a storm that we didn't see coming. So we, we're doing most everything we can do virtually to include admissions and recruitment. And we're relaxing the requirements for the SATs and ACTs. And this is another whole conversation. We're not really convinced that they tell us who the students are anyway. That's another whole conversation. So this is one of those moments where we'll, we'll get to see that, we'll get to test that. So we're relaxing those requirements. And we have a RAM room every week. My admissions team does some virtual things, um, some really fun things where we can see virtually bring in freshmen and you know, in, in small cohorts, um, incoming freshmen, potential incoming freshmen in small cohorts for them to see who we are virtually. So we're using the technology. I am worried as the president about um, our incoming class. That's natural because I really believe that people need to continue continue with their education. Um, I, I don't serve a population that can take a gap year. 
Um, that's not a, a privilege that many of the students that we serve have. They really need to come to college. And um, so we're really pushing that message with the relaxed requirements and still maintaining academic excellence. We have two summer programs that we bring in students who are deemed not quite ready for college. Um, we call it our, um, we call it our um, All-Star Academy. Some know it as a summer bridge program and we're going to be doing that all virtually. So those students, and we're looking at it in a positive way because like right now where we're all having to use technology, even those that are staying and working at home, it's a time to build up that toolkit for you as an individual. So that's one, that's a lens that we're looking through it. And then we also have our Career Pathways Initiative, which is a big program we have on campus in the summertime, and we're doing that totally virtually. So we're using the, we're using the technology as a, as a benefit to us and trying to look at it as a way for us to build our strength. I say this all the time, Houston Tillerson will be a much stronger university on the other side of this. Um, operating in crises is not really new to us, but this is a compounded crisis and it has pointed out the challenges that we as a nation have when it comes to people that don't have opportunities and things that we all take for granted, like going home and having internet access. So we are working really, really hard to remove as many of those barriers as we as we can. And we've actually had to mail um, surfaces and iPads to students because I don't have a large population of students in the Austin area. So this has compounded that. Um, and it just shows, it speaks to our resilience as who we are as a, as a people, as a unit. And we're using the technology to build this as a benefit to us to make the university. And when I say the university, I'm speaking mostly about my students on the other side. So as an administrator in this moment, as the president of a college who brides itself on seeing my students and hugging them and, you know, um, that, that contact, that small, um, intimate feeling, that's hard for us. So, but we are alone together. That's really meaningful. And it's going to strengthen the relationships that we have and teach us how to build stronger relationships when we, when we get on the other side of this, where we will be stronger. Thank you, Dr. Burnett. And, um, all are welcome to um, respond to this. And when you do, please introduce yourselves. And, um, you know, we don't only want to recognize some of the challenges that are, we're facing, but also how you all have stepped up. So feel free to, to boast and, you know, this is an opportunity to speak to your students and to, you know, tell them um, the work that you've been doing. It's busy time. There's no doubt that y'all are working probably harder than ever um, to really uh, bring your communities, your student communities, um, back in, um, in in various ways. So um, if anyone would also like to speak about admissions, um, but also, and we have a lot of questions, it will not be your only opportunity, but um, please feel free to weigh in on that. This is Don Christian over at Concordia University, Texas. Um, we have no idea, do we? We hope, we pray, we think, we'll watch numbers, but we have no idea, first of all, what outside entities will say what we can do and how parents and students will react to what's happening. I would say one of the issues as we think about the incoming class is getting our faculty ready for them. So having two months of high school off, having three months of summer off, what does that do, especially those who may already be underprepared? And so as we seek to serve all students with equity, it's gonna be really important that all of our faculty understands that this is a different group of students entering that may have been in the past, and what are we gonna to do to help them get into college and persist through college? Thank you. 
Thank you for that. Um, oh, go ahead, Dr. Rhodes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this is Richard Rhodes from Austin Community College. And, uh, you know, I love listening to Grant as he talked about uh, the student experience and what, what's happening. You know, this has been a time for us, um, I think, in all of higher education and education, uh, well, across the country, uh, is to put a different focus on safety, security, and success. Um, and how we, how we measure that, how we look at that, how we deal with it. Um, I just have to tell you that during this period of time, uh, it has given me, uh, I, I've been so proud and so, I've been so inspired by the response of our faculty and our staff, uh, number one, to overnight almost just respond to this and create the type of environment uh, that puts, you know, that emphasis on safety, security, and student success. Um, you know, and they've done it with grace um, and looking at empathy with the students and understanding, a better understanding of what the, the students are going through uh, and to put that into practice. And so uh, I've also been inspired by our students and the response of our students uh, to hang in there. Uh, and, you know, as of this date, we compared to the numbers of students who withdrew from the institution a year ago to the same point in time. Um, and I think, you know, it's 20% less number of students who have actually withdrawn uh, during this crisis period of time. And I think it, it gets into some of the points that uh, Grant made, and one of those is collaboration. Uh, that we're seeing greater collaboration and communication uh, than we've ever seen before uh, through different uh, types of venues. Uh, and so, you know, that's really one of those learning experiences that I think are going to carry out, uh, carry through beyond uh, COVID-19 into the way that we deliver education in the future. Um, so, Uh, I'll provide an update from UT Austin in terms of enrollment and admissions. Right now, African-American enrollment deposits for entering class of fall 2020 are up 23%, Latino students up 10%. What is amazing about this, that the numbers in white students and Asian students are, are declined from last, or declined from last year. And part of the reason I think, like Dr. Colette Pierce Burnett said, a lot of wealthier students have more options. They can sit and see what's gonna happen they may take a gap year. I didn't even know what a gap year was till about four or five years ago. Uh, but what I hear from a lot of our black and brown parents from the Valley, from inner city, Houston, Dallas, other areas, is that no, you're going to tell their kids, you're going to be on campus somewhere in the fall. You know, if it's online and you're sitting in our dining room, you are going to be in school. And that is the message we got to constantly stress because the students that we really want to serve and, and who I think can be the most impactful, um, we got to get them on a college campus. And so I'm telling parents, wherever I go, no, your kid needs to be in school in the fall. And secondly, let me say this. We've been doing a lot of work with prospective students. We're launching an initiative for Latinas at UT this fall called Lili. Uh, and Annabella and Mika, our directors of that program, had over 150 um, Latina uh, 12th graders on the phone. And those students will be entering UT uh, this fall. My wife runs a similar program for Black women, had over 100. Uh, admitted black woman on that call. And so for us, it's just been about engaging uh, students who are gonna come for the fall because we want them to come in the fall. For current students, what I've been telling them is I, I don't believe in multitasking. Uh, and it can be stressful if you're thinking about 
the spring semester, what's going to happen this summer, what's going to happen this fall. I've been telling students, just finish the semester. You finish the semester, you got three or four weeks left, you finish strong, then you can catch your breath and you have about three or four weeks to, to see how everything else is going to shape out. But, but I tell students, you cannot sabotage this semester. You got to finish strong. And I understand situations are difficult. Some students don't have the best internet access. Some students are taking care of two or three siblings. Some are taking care of elderly parents. And some don't have a private place to study. I didn't realize how privileged I was until I realized I could go to my house and shut a door and just work uh, uninterrupted. But I've been on calls with students where I see their brothers and sisters running in the backgrounds. But guess what? They are being resilient and they are persevering. And I'll tell you this, students, if you can make it through this season, you can be adaptable, creative, innovative. You know how to operate in ambiguity. You're going to have some anxiety. But if you can make it through this, oh, you will be deadly when it comes to get going, going on the job market and, start, and launching your career. Um, this is Lance Johnson from St. Edward's University. Um, and I think one of the key pieces for us was pretty early on, um, our president, Dr. George Martin, sent a letter to our campus community. I think it was around the 18th of March, so after we had made a series of really big light switch decisions, which I know every university on this, this call had to make, um, but just kind of reminded our community that in our 130 years, we've endured fires and tornadoes and other really challenging situations. And through our mission and our commitment to excellence through our Holy Cross mission um, and through hope, we've always come out stronger and better. So I think that's been a good North Star in a situation where every day is a new fire um, and a new challenge to look at. So I think when you're asking about admissions too, um, I think everybody's talked a little bit about, you know, that there's there's going virtual and trying to share that with students. And something for that we've thought about too is, you know, the admissions process almost leads all the way up into August. And so, not only is it um, something that we've done is extended our deadline for enrollment to June um, from May first, knowing that people don't, no one knows what July looks like, let alone September. Um, and so be moving that part of the admissions process online, but then also orientation is a key decision point for students. So beginning all of our planning for virtual experience online and how do we encapsulate what it's like to be on the hilltop on a Zoom call and try to make as much of those pivots and make it as personal of an experience and really allow a student who's considering coming to campus to really understand who our campus is, what our, our identity is, and what the experience will be like at St. Edwards, and providing as much information as we know when we know it, and planning for many different scenarios for what, what particularly what fall could look like, depending on social distancing and, um, and stay-at-home orders. Great. Uh, thank you all for, for sharing that. And um, as we're talking, if you will, cast your eyes over to the Q&A and to the chat because some of you are receiving direct questions. Um, and I think that you can actually even type an answer if you wanted to um, respond in that way. But we'll have moments at the end to turn back and come back around to some of these. Miss um, Johnson, um, so you have a fierce student on the line here, um, who is apparently the leader of every student organization on campus, uh, Ms. Riley. Um, she's, um, you know, obviously concerned about the digital divide. She's concerned about food insecurity and housing and tuition. 
Um, you know, there has been a lot of uh, discussion about that on this call from other students who have had different experiences. Um, what can you say to her about what your plans are to kind of checkbox those quality of life areas for her um, student body that she represents? Um, well, I think the good thing I was had this a little bit in my notes, but she kind of covered it as well, is that Jess and I get to work together non-COVID worlds um, before COVID and then now during during COVID. Um, and I think, you know, first of all, hearing directly from the students has been so important. We've, of course, surveyed our student body, which, I'm, you know, every, every university loves a good survey, but it does provide a lot of insights. Um, and then hearing from our student, student government association of what are they hearing from their peers? What are they, what's, what's, what is, what's top of mind for students and listening to our faculty, because our faculty are the ones that are in calls and meeting with um, students and what's, what's coming up. Um, I think a, a big piece for us has been, um, we've had an, ex an existing process to address student need all the way from um, food insecurity to mental health concerns to um, legal immigration issues. Um, and last year we stood up a emergency resources toolkit, which is an electronic um, resource guide for both on-campus and off-campus resources that a student could really go with virtually any need and type it in. And the, the great benefit now in the time of COVID is that it is a resource that covers every zip code in the United States. So if a student is having food insecurity at home in Ohio, they can use it on their own or they can reach out to our um, Students of Concern Committee, our Dean of Students Office, and ask for help navigating to resources that they need. Um, I think we're also in the, the we also have um, the Student Emergency Relief Fund, the, the HOOF, which is Hilltoppers Overcoming Obstacles Fund that SGA contributed funds to and that we're continuing to add funds to to provide students with. We've purchased laptops and given those to the students of need um, as well. So I think there's, we know that there's multidimensional issues that each individual student will have and likely will have when they're at home in Dallas or they're at, you know, they're not anywhere in Austin and really continuing to provide as much support and resources. And I think it's both internal and then um, external referrals as well. I mean, I think the, the CARES Act funding will be a big piece. There's a lot of question mark for how that's going to be allocated to the different, to different students. There's still a lot to be answered there. Um, and, you know, continuing to look at other other external resources and internal resources to, to support our students. Great. All right. Um, so with all the administrators on the line right now, you know, the beauty of this is that, you know, you're hearing ideas from other campuses, maybe something that you're not doing or something that you're doing exceptionally well. Grant mentioned a Wi-Fi drive through I have no idea what that is, but it sounds fascinating and he raved about it. So. Are there anything, um, is there anything that you've heard that you might want to implement on your campus? I've heard about food pantries and you know, physically mailing um, technology to students. Um, is there anything that you're doing, number one, that you know is just everyone's taken care of or you feel really strongly about it as a, as a leadership, as a model um, for good leadership? And is there anything that you're thinking, we've got to do that on our campus? I don't know one thing I told my, my team is that, you know, when the, when the stay at home order is lifted, that doesn't mean we'll all be back in the classroom, but when the stay at home order is lifted, we're going to go 
do some caravans across the state just to check in with students because I know we are, I know students are falling through the cracks because we don't have the capacity to assess everybody. So I'm looking forward to going to Dallas, Houston, Laredo, San Antonio, the Valley. And, you know, I told them if we have to just um, meet small groups of students in a parking lot or something like that, we're willing to do it. I mean, Dr. Colette Pierce Burnett said that, you know, that, you know, we aren't, we aren't built to function like this. You know, we are, you know, we are humanists. You know, we want to see students. We want to, give them a hug, you know, pray for them, see how you're doing. And so that's one of the things me and my team will be doing. Hopefully we can get on the road in June or July once this order gets lifted a little bit. One thing that we need to do more of at Houston Tillerson, we spent a lot of time maintaining academic excellence when we lifted to go online. And what we, the wraparound services to students are so important. Um, so we, you know, we took everything virtually, student affairs, all the student support services, the, the, the counselor clearly, which is a, a pivotal operation right now. Um, and Safana talked about our RAMFest weekend to have a virtual party. I mean, D-Nice started this whole thing with these DJs. So they show that you can really have a party together virtually. So, you know, we, we really wanted to do that and to make more of our service more, um, more, more obvious, more, more prevalent, more right in the student's face, like right there. Because that's what, when we have them on campus, we, we, can, we touch them, we can see them. And we have to do more of that. Uh, when Safana said as a tutor that she's not having a lot of students, we need to make sure students know that. And that's something we do when we're not online, is for students to take advantage of services that they have because everything that they need to be successful, the, the university offers. So we want to make sure we remove all those barriers. So we just have to do more communicating of what those services are. So when I hear a faculty member saying that they met with a student and the student is struggling, that tells me the student didn't fill out the need survey, that we haven't reached that student. And then some students don't want to admit that they have a challenge. So we have to you know, keep that line of communication open and we can't rest in that. And I tell people, this is not a vacation. I mean, this is the time where you really need to step up to the plate on your grind and you really got to get in there and, you know, put the pedal to the metal and make yourself successful. We're all going to feel really good when this is behind us. And right now it's very, very hard. So we as a university that we taught ourselves that we play is to make sure that we're communicating with students and knowing what their options are, because I want students to be successful. I don't want this to be, you know, a, a bad experience. We want it to be as positive as it can be, because it's just, it's a really tough, tough time. I mean, no one, no one saw this coming. Like a 90 day, 60 days ago, you know, we were planning for commencement. You know, we were, you know, looking forward to summer school. I mean, everything was just normal. And then do more communicating and reaching out to our students more human connection right you know i think one of one of the things that's important <clears throat> during this period of time too is that we become more a part of the community like never before uh and find ways to contribute back out to the community whether it's to the um hospitals or, or so forth but some examples are using our 3d printers right now to make face shields um, you know our faculty our staff and our students are doing that to make face masks <clears throat> that we can hand out to people uh, it's almost overnight uh, going to our foundation and asking them for help for emergency funds for students um, and almost overnight three hundred thousand dollars came in to assist students um, to give them some immediate aid 
whether it's for food insecurity or housing insecurity, but to get them over the hump. Because, you know, as Dr. Moore was saying earlier, every student has to receive the message that it is critical, finish this semester, finish what you start uh, and keep going. And don't even think about taking a break uh, that you just got to keep persevering. Uh, and persistence is, you know, that's, that's half the battle to success. The other thing is, uh, one of the things we're going to do is uh, a virtual graduation. You know, as a president, what I love is to give out scholarships, and I love to hand out the diplomas at graduation. There's nothing more uh, uplifting uh, to me as a president than to see the faces of the students when they walk across the stage and receive that. We're not going to have that opportunity to, uh, to do that face-to-face, -face, uh, but we're going to do a virtual graduation um and uh, in june and uh, pastor gv clark who is an inspirational leader in this community is going to be our keynote speaker for that and uh you know so i'm excited about celebrating their success uh and going on uh, but also showing giving the model that take this time where everybody's in a crisis crisis situation but find ways to give back to the community um, and so that, you know, that's, I guess, my message. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. I'm going to have two last questions about students who are struggling. These are going to be for specific speakers. Um, but at the end, if y'all like to comment on these as well, please do. Uh, Dr. Burnett, I'll start with you. So data shows that the coronavirus is impacting the black community heavily in terms of illness and death and whether or not black students have experienced sickness or their family members have, or someone close or death, um, there's this understanding in the community that we're highly vulnerable to the virus. And even that knowledge is sobering and kind of traumatizing as well. Um, how are you supporting your Black students through that? We've spent, um, let, me, let me say this first, Ad Disparity was here before COVID-19. Um, COVID-19 has shed a light on it and made it real but that was a that's a real thing so the question is what will the nation do when COVID-19 is behind us will we wait for another crisis to happen because every time a crisis happened the poor and people of color are affected at a higher rate than those who are more privileged so that that's 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 not a that's not I heard someone say we need to study that we've studied that that's a real thing so um we spend a lot of time about telling our students uh, to take care of themselves and to follow the guidance of the World Health Organization and the CDC and local authorities. Um, our chaplain, we have our chapel online. That's one of the things that we've put online and our chapel, chapel is live online in its normally scheduled time. And the chaplain talked about how you wanna protect your families too. The young people think that they're resilient and they don't think that um, you know they're going to be affected, but you could be, as we all know, we all keep hearing about asymptomatic a carrier, and you don't even know it. So you want to make sure when you come home and your parents or your grandparents are living there with you, you're not a carrier of the disease unknowingly. So we've been doing a lot of education about that, and um, my athletes did a beautiful video about washing your hands and um, about you know, COVID-19, just, just we wanted young people to share the message in their own voice, their own style. And they did just a fantastic um, video that we really pushed out there about 
washing your hands. People will see washing their hands. We will never see washing our hands ever again because now we see how we're all susceptible to germs and this is to the germ we can't fight. So it's, it's inf there's information in that. So we just have been spending a lot of time talking about students to keep themselves healthy and to keep, make sure that they have in their mind that they're responsible for the health of people who they interact with. And that goes you know, across the board, interacting with each other. So and I think that's our responsibility, not just when it comes to COVID-19, but about your physical health, your mental health, your, you know, all of your wellnesses, that you want to make sure that students are aware of that. One thing that I will say, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with my brother, President Rhodes, um, giving out scholarships and commencement is a beautiful, that's a beautiful moment. That gives me, that's my why, why I do what I do. But this moment here has affirmed for me why I'm in higher education. And that's because what we do is, particularly at Houston Tillis University, is we um, break generational poverty and with education. And the more we can break generational poverty with students being educated, with people being educated, the more opportunities they have where they will not find themselves in these vulnerable places. Because when you're educated, you understand your health better, you make better choices in your health. You're, you know, all the studies that say that you, your zip code determines your, your, your lifetime, your span of your lifetime, et cetera. So it has affirmed for me why I do what I do in education. It's just super important. And I'm really proud of what's happening in education, that we continue to push the mark and continue to say, we're not going to shut down, tuck tail, go down in the, in the bowels of the ship and hide from the storm, that we're going to be out there advocating for our students, for them to keep going and for them to keep um, focusing on their education and understanding why it's more important than ever for you to build that resilience and for you to get that certificate or that diploma, that degree, because nobody could take it from you, even through this tough time. Thank you, Dr. Paris Furness. Um, and um, before I turn it back over to Chaz, who's got some equally important questions about school finances and so on. Um, Dr. Christian, um, we know that um, the CARES Act might not cover uh, undocumented students and DACA students. Um, can you speak a bit about um, Concordia's views, stance on that, please? You're on mute, sir. Still on mute. Let's see. Thanks for asking that question. Um, I just shake my head with it. Um, students are students, and um, we are here to serve all students. And so when they're denied either services or monies, or the same support other students get, I just don't understand. We've been talking about this, what, for two, three, almost four years now, that this question keeps raising its head. And I just, I ache for my students who have to read that, look at that and go, why am I not worthy? And I think we have to continue to push and ask the question right to our um, Congress people, let them know how we feel, and let them hear our story, and especially the story of our students who are so deserving of those that help so they can graduate and be a part of this community. Thank you, Ms. Johnson, you're unmuted. Did you want to speak on that? Oh, I was just, I was going to say, I think, you know, we share the same sentiments um, with Dr. Christian. And I think um, early on, the city of Austin passed the RISE, the RISE funds, that's about 15 million for low-income and vulnerable populations that don't qualify for other funds. And we haven't fully looked into it, um, but potential that there could be other opportunities and other funds that could help support 
um, DACA students as well. And I know, you know, between now and June, we'll also hear from the Supreme Court. So, um, you know, on the program overall. So there's just a lot of, a lot of pressure on those and those, those students and trying to find as many ways to support them as possible. Great, I love that. So much of the good things that are coming out of this are community-led and hyper-local and um, I'm really proud of um, Austin. Um, all right, I'm going to turn it over to my brother Chaz who will um, ask some important questions, Chaz. Uh, th thank you, Suki, and I think, um, you know, I think this is really important because we know even with the fine institutions we have um, here on this call, um, financially speaking, it's a huge gap between, um, I would say, both the access to resources and just resources um, in general. Um, and, you know, I don't, I'm not saying we have to open up the ledger and, and, and you know, discuss coin by coin. Um, but, but given that, um, I think we have to understand, you know, um, and, and even with the students, right? I think some students that attend um, some institutions may have more resources than others. And I know a question that we have um, from students and community um, alike is that, you know, since the campus um, experience is being taken away and a lot of things are now online, um, could students expect the financial cut or refund? Um, you know, with some campuses closed, are students receiving funds for the months that they won't have access to dorms, food parking and things of that nature? Um, you know, also, I think we have to, just like we did with the AIZ conversation, I think we have to um, be concerned with the welfare of our teachers and professors. Um, you know, are our, our, our institutions still paying them, um, the, you, you know, the ones that are teaching or the ones that may not be teaching, the ones that may have got laid off? Um, you know, so if, you know, and I, I think I would like to start with Dr. Burnett again to talk about just the financial hardship that the coronavirus is, um, is having on, on your campus, if any, and then we can just go down the line. Thank you, Chaz. Um, how do I say this? We were a fiscally fragile institution before. We're, we're heavily dependent on um, tuition and we try to keep our tuition low because of the um, population that we serve. There's no secret 98% of my students are on financial aid and 75% of them are Pell eligible. So it's expensive to service that population and this, this compounds it. It's a compounding um, um, it's just a, it's just fact. So we launched a COVID-19 support fund, emergency fund, um, immediately when we exhausted our emergency grant funds that we already had in store to help students get home and to satisfy some very personal needs that some of our students had. And we've been successful at that. Um, it's a good time to give a shout out to some like a university federal credit union and Austin Community Foundation and the United Way have stepped up to the plate in very big ways, which has been an, an, a shift for me because Austin generally invests to grow as opposed to investing to heal. And I think this is a moment where um, philanthropic organizations and wealthy individuals see this as a moment to invest to heal. And by heal, I mean to really invest people who have a deep, deep need, very, a, a need, a very immediate need, a very real need. And then there's also the CARES Act. Um, it's called CARES, but it's Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, I believe that's what it's called. Um, and that's dollars from the federal government. I wanna go back to something that Dr. Christian said. Um, this is a moving target. 
So everyday citizens still have a lot of power to really write to your representatives and to your federal representatives, state senators, to, our, to because these bills will continue to be because a lot of people don't know that students who don't have Title IV eligibility are not entitled to uh, money from the Stimulus Act, which, you know, once we get, once we start receiving that money. So we're, we are, um, we're looking forward to getting that because 50% of the amount that each institution gets has to go directly to students. So that's, um, that's a direct funnel to students, um, students in the most need. So in my case, that's all of my students. So we're, we're having to you know, figure out how to do that in a very equitable way. And I believe we're really, we're close to being able to do that. So it, it is a, a challenge. And then when it comes to just the operations of the institution, um, because we are tuition dependent, we have to keep our enrollment up and our retention up so that we can keep people employed. Um, right now, I don't see us having a problem with that right now. Um, but like, this is a moving target. So, you know, the two hours of sleep that you get, the other, then during that two hours, you're processing that, how you can keep your institution really going and strong because it's so important. So for people who are listening, you can go to www.myrolleaspresident.htu.edu and give to our COVID-19 support fund um, because that, that goes directly to us supporting students. Those laptops that we ship out, there's cost to all of that. Um, that, you know, none of that happens. And then to the point about students getting refunds, we did uh, refund our students for their residence halls and dining fees for the six, I believe it's six weeks. It was either five or six weeks. I believe it was six weeks. Um, we gave full refunds to students, well, to, to their balances um, for um, the time that they were not in the hall. And we are looking at options that we have for the summer um, when it comes to being fully online, because we just like everyone else on the call, I believe, or in the, in the meeting, I believe is fully online in the summertime. So we wanna, we, you know, we, we wanna work with our students. Um, they're not one to, we are, because we will do get through this in a very positive way, we will. It's gonna be hard, hard as heck but we will get through it. And we're learning as we fall. Be president on this call or in this meeting that our students' well-being and their safety and their health is first. So every decision you make, you make it with that being primary. And then after that, you, there's not much to think about because if you make that decision with your students' best interests at heart, everything else will eventually find its way to the, the, the right solution. We won't get everything right all the time, but we have, we have time to go back then and to do it again and to do it and to get it right. So there, so there, are, all, you know, there are all kinds of strategies to um, get revenues coming into the institution so that we can continue to support students and continue to provide a quality education, but it's not easy and it's not simple. And one thing I stress on my own campus is we have to do this together because we all want the same thing and that's for students to be successful. So we have to all lean in and to be doing this together. And so far that that's, that's happening and I'm grateful for that. I'd like to jump in if I could on something Danielle said a very long time ago, everybody has a different story. And I think every of our, each campus has a different story to tell and there should never be assumptions on what one campus is and one campus isn't. And that, like Dr. Burnett, about 90 plus percent of our students have financial aid and 60% are Pell eligible. It may not be the picture most people have at Concordia, but we all have students who have great need. And sometimes we don't even know what that need is. It may not look like there's a need. And so we have to find different ways. 
to meet the different needs of all different kinds of students and as someone said earlier different faculty and staff as well okay does anybody else want to chime in on that okay okay well uh, i you know i think it'd be remiss to um especially since i have dr moore on the phone and dr burnett um, and the fact that we are a racial justice group we understand that um, no matter what way you slice any pie in this country, race is always going to be a factor. Um, and as Suki said, and so many people on the call, um, we, we know that African Americans and Latinos and people in um, low socioeconomic uh, um, situations are more susceptible to this uh, virus and this disease because of pre-existing conditions. Um, and, and, you know, as we slowly begin to open up the country and um, the state, you know, I think Texas will be the first state to open back up, which is um, a scary thing for a lot of different reasons. Um, but, you know, here we are. Um, I, and, and with the safety of the students, I'm sure being the number one thing that's important to all of you all, um, how can we ensure that once we open back up, right? Because once we open back up, um, it's not like the, the virus just magically disappears. It means that we're more prepared to deal with it when we deal with it. Um, but it's not going to disappear anytime soon. Um, so how are, are the campuses going to ensure that we have um, testing um, for students that may need it, um, and specifically for our more vulnerable um, populations? And then I think, um, I think my alpha brother on the line, who, who does some good work at, at the University of Texas with Dr. Moore, um, brought up a really good question, too, in terms of financing and, and both, um, I think, race playing a part of this, too. Um, if we know that um, you know, a, a lot of students coming into the fall semester who may not have the money or the resources or access to money um, that are able to apply and both to get in. Um, do we think some institutions are just going to do the money grab and just only admitting students that have the money as opposed to taking a chance on the students that don't have the resources to, um, um, to get in? So uh, on, one, on one end of this question, how do we sure we have testing whenever that becomes available in the state to our students um, specific, specifically the most vulnerable and then when we do open back up and we slowly start to get to the new normal um, how do we ensure that we're we're holding our institutions accountable and not letting only the students that have the access to resources immediately like right there cash in hand um, just fill up the seats because i do think that that's something um, that that may be an issue and we know if that's an issue that means a lot of black, brown, and poor students are going to get left out. So, um, Dr. Moore, yeah, I don't know if you want to... Yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Let me take that first one. Um, one of the reasons we've seen a double-digit increase, I believe, in African-American enrollment deposits and almost a double-digit increase in Latino enrollment deposits is because the new financial aid piece where if, if a student applies to UT Austin and their uh, parental income is a combined $65,000 or less, all of their expenses are covered. Pell Grant, Texas Grant, uh, UT puts in some money, then that, that $100 million Dell gift goes to close the balance. So that is a game changer. And, and I'll say this about President Fimbus, his advocacy for low-income students and first-generation students is completely unparalleled. You know, we've never had this before. So that's why I think you're seeing the increase in numbers because of the generous uh, financial aid packages. Uh, so I don't think it'll be a situation of whoever can pay come. Uh, the second piece, now, I don't... I, uh, Healthcare, that's, that is above my pay grade, Chaz, but I'll say this. We are also dealing with the legacy of, of uh, healthcare uh, discrimination. You know, even in Austin, Texas, and I tell people this right now, 
you'll call a physician for an appointment and they may be like, well, they're booked for three months out. The funny thing is, if I tell them I'm a professor and a vice president at the University of Texas, I go to the front of the line. And not only do I have to wait three months, sometimes I can get in the next day. So we have to understand that this legacy, because my wife gets on me about going to the doctor, but I grew up hearing about the Tuskegee experiment. And it was just like, you know what? I'm cool on going to the doctor. And in Austin, where it's hard to find a African-American medical professional, the, the issue was compounded. So I'm not sure, Chaz, how the, how the, how the testing will roll out. But I think, um, you know, a number of the people at UT, you hold us accountable. I think you have some degree of trust in us. Um, so we'll just see. I think like Dr. Burnett said, it's a moving target. We don't know how testing will operate. You know, uh, what if a student doesn't want to consent to get tested? What happens then? So I think we're in uh, uncharted territory, but you can best believe that, you know, we will make sure that it's rolled out equitably and fairly. Dr. Well, Rhodes, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, th anyway. I, thought you, I thought you said Dr. Burnett too. That, no. no, no, anybody, anybody. I just want to make sure anybody can chime in. Well, I'm not in the position. I don't have $100 million from Dell. So um, <laughs> <laughs> talk about equity. Um, so um, I don't have that. That question doesn't apply to me because out of my 1,011 students, only 24 of them have the estimated family contribution that meets um, what it costs to attend Houston Tillerson. So this is not new for us. Um, we, you know, we, we work to make it work and it works. Uh, so it's challenge, it's hard, but that's, that's where we find ourselves as a minority serving institution in the United States of America. So, um, the, the question about health, um, about maintaining our health when our students return back, it's hard to answer that question now because we don't know what will be the state of the virus when, when we do open back up. And, and I say that, um, even to use the word open back up, we are open. Someone corrected someone the other day on campus when they said the campus is closed. The campus is not closed. We are open. We're online. Um, so when we go back on ground, back to bricks and mortar to, to deliver our instruction, we don't know what's going to be happening around us. I do say that I can say this as the president um, of Houston Tillotson, um, we will make sure that we have every safeguard in place that's possible because we want our students to be safe. So the decision will be made around that, like I said earlier. So, and I'm hoping that people will be smart and that we start listening to the scientists when we decide how to open back up and that we just don't go along because we're so involved, we're so concerned about the economy because we want to be long lasting. We open back up, everybody hears this too soon, we're going to have another wave, it's going to be worse and that's not going to help the economy in the long run. So we want to make sure that we're listening to the scientists and make the decision accordingly. And, we'll, and we will be listening to the scientists to make our decisions accordingly for the safety of our students. I have to say that I think all of the five institutions represented on this call today take this issue seriously of serving all populations. And um, we all find ways to make it affordable and available to students, all in different places, all in different ways. Some get grants from Dell, some have to rely on federal government, some other places, but we all are committed to serving all students in Central Texas and beyond. All right, thank, thank you. Um, so for the administration, um, I have one last question that I would like all you to chime in on. Um, and I know we all have different capacities at various institutions, um, but this is the last thing that we have for you. 
Um, and then we'll turn it back over to the students because we believe we should um, elevate the, those voices again the same way we ended. Uh, I mean, we began, we will end. Um, so, and this is something we've been talking about, um, this, 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 this um, reimagining of what normal is. Um, because, you know, when people say, I can't wait till we get back to normal, um, I have to challenge that and I have to take a, a brief, um, a brief pause to really, you know, break down to people. Well, you know, normal literally a month ago was just over incarcerating jails as to oppose. Now we're talking about compassion release. Um, normal three, four weeks ago was if you didn't have money for food bills or rent, you know, sorry about you, but now we have, you know, we're putting trillions and trillions of dollars in, into the economy to help as many people as we can. Um, you know, even here in Austin, um, you know, normal four weeks ago was um, being hypocritical of, of the population of people that are experiencing homelessness. But now we have um, this wide range of care and support to make sure that these people are taken care of um, in this time. So, um, I, you know, I challenge um, us as not only institutions and as students and people watching, um, but as a country, as a society, um, to really redefine what normal is. So um, with that, um, this is the last question that we have. Um, and it starts with a statement. You've, um, you've all been rapidly adapting to a new normal, and this is the time to be thinking of the possibilities in, in regard to edu educating your students' operations and finances to be reimagining higher education. In what ways will COVID-19 transform your institution permanently? Is this, um, and whatever the answer to that question is, is this for the better? And um, I think we can start with Dr. Burnett and then we'll just go down. Um, I totally agree with you, Chaz, about normal. Um, normal was embracing greed and inequities and all those things that we as a society. And when these crises come, it's, you know, I'm a spiritual person. It's, it always, um, it, 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 it's an opportunity to do something new and different. It shakes us up. It gets our attention where we get, we get, we're awake. So what we do with that is up to us. So from, from my perspective, I think we've learned to appreciate each other more in the fabric of the university. We now see what's really important. And like I said earlier, that education truly is important, irrespective of the format that is delivered in and the value of it and how we care for each other, not just from an administrator to a student, but student to student. Earlier, the students were talking about missing their classmates. I think we need to learn how to appreciate human connection more and um, um, really seeing each other as humans. And I really, really have hope that the nation, in a, just to make it even a much larger scale, will really look at some of the challenges that we have as a nation and address them with all sincerity and with a sense of urgency instead of us going back to that normal. Because it's really up to all of us as, as, as citizens. So we have a social justice thread in everything that we do at Houston Tillerson. We will continue that. And this will give us another exercise, another thing to, to, to add to the toolbox and what happens in these crisis situations. And it's not what's happening. It's not what we do. It's what we do after the crises. It's just as important as how we're reacting through the crises. So that just, it continues to lift our mission of who we are and what we do. I just, it's an opportunity for us to really think through um, what you said, there was no, normal was not normal. So it's an opportunity for us to really build a new normal and what that really looks like. So I would say amen to what uh, Colette just said. Um, in addition to that, you know, it, it is, 
imperative for us as institutions and the, the sectors of education uh, throughout our community that we are a, a regional ecosystem uh, of ourselves and to work I, what we're learning is to more, work more closely together. So uh, as an example, with the school districts, uh, you know, dual credit, early college high schools, P-TECs, uh, career academies, to give students experience uh, into higher education and to allow them the opportunity to see that they can be successful and that they are and they belong in higher education, that there is a career pathway for them. Uh, and experience that at younger ages is critical. So it's that, it's the co-enrollment programs that we've got with the, all of the institutions of higher education uh, within this uh, ecosystem that we serve. Uh, and it's finding better ways to allow students to transfer uh, seamlessly between institutions. Um, and that, that is so critical in this period of time. But you know, what is the new normal? Uh, and we've seen higher education and education in general has been in transition for the last several years. We've seen more and more students who are taking advantage of things like dual credit. We're seeing uh, at ACC, we're seeing a, a huge increase prior to COVID-19 in the numbers of students who are taking online courses uh, because they needed asynchronous learning because of work schedules, because the unemployment rate was down close to 2%. Well, as the unemployment rate goes up to 15%, what is it we're going to see that's going to change? Um, and so, and how long is that going to stay uh, before unemployment rates start to go back down again? Uh, is it going to be a year? Is it going to be two years? Um, I don't think any of us know right now because none of us know how long COVID-19 is going to uh, continue and is it going to be in a wave? And so how do we respond to that? But we are seeing that higher education is more collaborative today than I think it ever has been. Uh, it is looking at new ways of delivery that we've never had before. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this is an exciting time to be in higher education. It's a difficult time right now because of this, uh, we've had to make some some major changes, you know. So we're we're building the airplane as we're flying, and it's uh, it's not easy for our faculty, our staff, and it's not easy for our students. Um, but this is this is a lesson in perseverance and, and persistence for us all. I would say for me, um, you know, we're going to double down on all of our global initiatives. I mean, we had to cancel three study abroad programs this semester. We were taking 40 students to Dubai for spring break for a nine day trip. These are black and brown students. We were taking 55 students to Cape Town, South Africa in June. And then we were taking 25 ninth graders from Maynard and Del Valley in South Austin to Beijing, China in July. We had to cancel all of it. But what this is, has, has reminded me is that we have to double down on that because the world is even more interconnected now. And my goal is for the next generation of students to realize that their job opportunities aren't limited to Texas or limited to the US, that they can go anywhere across the globe and kill it. And so that is what we're taking away from this, uh, really demanding that a lot of our students get, get a global experience so that when they graduate, they will know literally that the world literally is, is their oyster. One of the things I see at Concordia University, Texas is that 
coming back to Danielle's statement of there's a different story for different people and kind of playing what Richard said, every student has a different learning style and has a different learning opportunity and needs different learning ways of doing that. So after this, there is no longer going to be a debate about what's better on ground or online. Education is education. All our faculty have had to do it both ways now, and they've had to deliver it well, and they've had to deliver it with a relational aspect to it. And so I'm just so excited that we will have so many more opportunities for students to learn and study in different ways that meets their learning needs and helps them achieve their dreams and goals. I would echo what everyone says. I think also, um, you know, higher education has been critiqued along with all of education for a lack of creativity and innovation. And I think if you open up a innovation textbook, the first line might say that you know, times of struggle and friction are the number one way to start innovating and, and changing. And I think we've seen that over the last month um, and we'll continue to see that. I don't know that we necessarily know exactly what that's gonna bring, but I think the fact that students, staff and faculty across the board have had to adapt and change and pivot in gigantic ways and have felt that pressure means that we have even more people who are ready and willing to be part of change. I mean, I think maybe not willing always, but that have been through an, an incredible um, innovation and change in just a short amount of time. So I think there, you know, and there's also an, a kind of a window of opportunity to, to, to think beyond the structures that used to be in place and begin to, to think about new opportunities. Well, thank you so much, Liz and Drs. Rode, Christian, um, Moore, who, you know, I have the utmost respect for, and I appreciate you. And, of course, my favorite member of Delta Sigma Theta, Dr. Um, Colette Pierce-Burnett, I love you so much, and I think you are um, everything. You were Black Girl Magic before it was a hashtag, and um, I, I think the Austin community is so um, grateful to have you. Um, so yes, let's end with our students um, and, and to our administration, if you can stick around for a little bit more. And I encourage you all to go to the Q&A and answer some of the good questions because um, we won't have time to do that here today. So um, first and foremost, we'll go to our graduating senior. Um, you know, um, we, I, we wish you could have all the things that graduation and the class of 2020 was supposed to come with. Um, but now we give you the floor so you can have a final thought. And I think something um, cool that somebody put in the chat um, what's a word of advice that you would give a senior, um, a, a high school senior during this crazy time? Um, and then you can just give us your final thoughts. Great. And I'll, I'll add my comments from earlier. It's funny how I made a point to mention Wi-Fi access and then my Zoom closed as soon as I was supposed to talk. But I do want to say Concordia is doing a virtual graduation this Saturday when I was supposed to walk and they're doing an in-person graduation in August. So I'm very thankful that getting the most, best of both worlds during these times. Uh, I do I do want to say, like, I think, Chaz, you made really good points of, like, not returning to a new normal. And I think if I could see Concordia continue any of the good things we're doing right now, which there's, it's immeasurable, um, just continuing to support students financially outside of academic needs is something that we've been looking into for a long time. I'm the student by president at Concordia, and I wrote a piece of legislation last semester to establish microgrants on campus or some kind of emergency fund we would have year-round. Um, the university has been really responsive to that, and I think right now is 
more time uh, there's never a better time than right now to establish something like that just because we already had a very vulnerable student population who has to you know drop out because they can't pay their electric bill or their car breaks down and they can't get to campus because we also don't have transit access and so i think that for all of our universities this has just really revealed how vulnerable a lot of our student populations are and how much more infrastructure and support we can be giving to all of them uh, if i had to give advice to graduating seniors i would just say persistence i think again like a lot of advice i've gotten as a graduating senior is that if you can survive this then it's going to be one of the hardest things you're going to have to face in a long time and just thinking about you know you go into college with that behind you and you know it's a really good thing to bring up in job interviews when was the time you've had to face adversity or adapt your plan like this is something that class of 2020 for college and high schools will be able to bring up for a long time thanks thank you so much for being here uh, miss jessica st edwards hi thanks yeah i guess i guess just to close um you know College students across Austin right now are finding a lot of unity in like the suffering, right? Because I think that we all have different experiences and are affected by this differently. But at the end of the day, this is something that affects all people everywhere, um, you know, to different degrees. And I think that like recognizing those different degrees and recognizing, you know, how intense this might be for some students over others and just being really compassionate and understanding to the experiences of each individual student because no students experience with this pandemic looks the same. Um, and, you know, we just have to be sensitive to that. And I appreciate all of you being here and, um, you know, expressing that because I think that that is, you know, gratefully something that we can all kind of um, agree on that we do need to take care of our students. Um, you know, whether it's struggles with, you know, food insecurity or housing insecurity, or whether, you know, that you have lost a loved one due to this crisis, like, we are struggling to keep up with everything that's happening. And like, as a student who has been relatively unaffected, I'm still struggling to keep up with everything. And so just to recognize the depth that that can go, um, and the different areas of your life that can be affected is like, you know, I just continue to ask you all to be compassionate and understanding of all of the student needs and issues that are coming up right now. Um, and, you know, whenever there isn't something that you can provide with limited resources from the university to reach out and fight for something more, right? I think that like having a collective and a coalition of, of people and leaders in our, you know, our collegiate, um, you know, Austin community is amazing. And I think that, you know, if there's things that we can't do for our students, we should ask the city for those things, you know, like our DACA students are not being taken care of with the CARE Act. Um, and I think that, you know, if we can't do it on an individual basis because of, you know, funding issues or otherwise, I think that we should push that even harder. So to just be aware of the things that we can do beyond our, our own campus and to fight for other students across our city. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much for being here and inviting me to come um, and speak because I, I really do think that um, we can do a lot of good when we come together. Agreed. Miss Decker, Texas State. Um, so what I will say is giving advice to uh, students who are graduating high school. I think that the point that Dr. Moore made was honestly so important. Um, throughout everything that's going on, we really do need to just remain focused on the bigger picture and education is so important. Like he said, rather if you're um, taking these courses at home or you're sitting on campus, it's just the matter of the fact is just to remain focused, to strive for your goals. Of course, college experiences, it 
it's it's important it is um but just remain as optimistic as you can um and that time will come but it really is important to continue to try to obtain that success through college and just strive to accomplish your goals um and with thoughts um it really was inspiring to hear without all like throughout all these different universities this sense of community that you guys have created or have already had prior to this occurring um i hate to say it but it's something that texas state really does lack and it has inspired me and motivated me to contact administration and let them know about this conversation that has occurred and also to provide suggestions let them know different student perspectives and what is occurring um, because there's just so much more that could be done um, also contacting different organizations to see what we can do because having a sense of community like i said it really is important getting through this together thank you um, Grant and his Blue Walls and Fan ACC. Um, I I have loved everything that the administrators and the wonderful students have been saying. I think one key thing that should be a takeaway and that I would want to see implemented at uh, universities is um, student leadership and involvement. So when universities and colleges do make those steps um, to create a student support system or do things in relation to student success, I feel like students need more of a voice and a seat at the table when um, those decisions are made. Uh, a student insight about what resources are already, are, 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 um, are, are there, are present at the time. Um, and just making sure that um, that you have students also helping out with um, the hands-on look of everything, making sure that students have the tablets and that students are getting every single resource that they can. So making sure that students have a seat at the table is one big thing that I would uh, tell all the universities and colleges to do. Um, so that way when you're planning, um, your next move that you involve a student organization like the Young Democratic Socialists of America, uh, the chapter at ACC and UT Austin are phenomenal. Um, and so, yeah, in the Mutual Aid Collective. Um, and going back to um, the question about um, what would I tell a high school senior, I would tell them to keep persevering, apply to your dream college, your dream school, and just keep pushing forward. Um, no matter your circumstances, you can always push forward that one semester. And you can still get that college experience by joining student groups and student organizations on your campus uh, because there's tons of students doing virtual things all over the place. Just last night, my friend was hosting a gaming tournament. <laughs> so there's a bunch of things that students are doing right now virtually to make sure that their peers, that their colleagues are still engaged, still going to class and still have a support system. Thank you so much. Um, my second college of choice, um, after I learned about it, HT, Ms. Safana, wh um, what do you have for us? Uh, um, thank you. I just think that I think what's really important during this time um, and what I think is really great is that all of our universities have come together to talk about this, but I would like to see more in the future us doing this routinely, I think, um, 
just because, like I said, we're the only HBCU in Austin, Texas. We're the most Western HBCU. Um, and we connect with our HBCUs and each, every college on here, university on here has their own community and everyone y'all are talking about your own community. And I think that's amazing. But I think what could do better and to really help serve everybody is to come together as institutions like this um, and continue to do that because we don't know what any of y'all need without talking about it. Um, like many of y'all maybe not know that we're on 7th Street. We're right across from UT. There's a lot of people that we talk to and they don't know where we are. But I think that if we continue to talk about this with each other's universities and really advocate for each other, I think it'll help us as a community as a whole, um, especially in Austin. And I think we should do that. And this having this meeting is amazing and is a great role model for other institutions. Um, I think my advice for a senior in high school would be to really um, stick to your routine. It can get really hard during this time to not have a routine, but also to continue to check in on your friends, your family. Um, me personally, my family doesn't live in the United States, um, so I'm kind of used to virtually talking to them all the time, um, but it can get really lonely and hard to not see them and not talk to them. Um, for instance, my friends that are graduating 2020, we're holding a virtual graduation brunch just for them. We have virtual check-ins every time we can, and we do karaoke, we do little things, um, just because we are missing that social interaction, and it's really needed, and I think that seniors in high school shouldn't, I know that a lot of them are losing hope because they're not seeing their friends, and they're not going to get the proper college experience or orientation at the moment for what they know, but I think that if they continue to do it virtually and act like they can do everything virtually, just like our institution is doing, hosting our RAMFest, trying to host the same events, just in a more creative way, I think they can adjust properly. Thank you so much. And of course, I'm being biased because this is my institution and it's 753 and OU still sucks. Uh, Wendy from the University of Texas, uh, what are your final thoughts and what's your advice for um, um, high school seniors that are graduating? Yeah, so something that uh, this pandemic and this virus has really shown and shed light on is how fragile and vulnerable we are as humans and our, how broken our systems are, not, not only like healthcare, criminal justice, but our education and just how, um, like as a nation, as a world, like there are things we need to improve on. Um, but what it also has shown is that as, as a community, as like, as we've seen here in Austin within students, within uh, universities, we have this ability to come together despite all of these adversities and um, these challenges and uh, which is what this like even this panel shows like it's it's evident that we want to make we want to help people we want to make a difference we want to help students and it's re been really nice and uh, pretty reassuring actually I can like breathe knowing that our uh, uh, educational leaders our presidents our uh, university uh, staff are actually are fighting for students and to learn about all these initiatives that uh, all different colleges around Austin have been taking has been really, really uh, nice to see. Um, and I just hope, like, like seconding Grant, like to see a more uh, students allow, like voices allowed when making decisions, uh, not just at least at UT, like having to protest outside to get, be heard. Uh, we should not come to that. That point where that so uh, overall just it's been both good and bad uh, but as humans we we, uh, we are persistent and then finally my advice to a graduating senior 
it's okay not to be okay. And uh, it's okay to not have everything planned out. Uh, even when you reach college and even after college, it's okay to not know, like, like it's okay to change. And what's certain, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. So uh, as long as you keep following your passions, like following, um, like never giving up persistence, like, you can make a difference in the world, in the world, even by making a difference within just one person. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And as we begin to sign off, everybody, I encourage you to put up your, your school signs with you. Yeah, I think I saw the tornadoes do this, uh, yeah, the hilltoppers. And, and, and remember, um, you can't see my shirt, but it says until all of us are free, none of us are free. Um, that is rooted in, in black traditional and black radical thought. Um, so even though this is a hard time, just keep um, to your heart, keeping your mind, keeping your, your, your temple, that if we struggle together, then we'll all be all right. Um, to our students, we are here for you. I look forward to you all maybe being interns for us and taking my job one day so I can go retire and do um, comedy and, and sell the seven seas. And remember, if you have to go out, um, please put your mask on. I got my mask because I have to do everything super, super black because that's what I do. But in order to keep Austin safe, I mean, keep Austin weird, we have to keep Austin safe. So please, if you have to go outside, get a mask. Mine is really, really cool. Um, you know, just make sure we're taking care of one at this time. And I'm glad to see our institutions are taking care of our students. Um, we will not go back to normal. We will create a better society. We will create better college campuses, college cultures, college communities for our students, for our greater Austin community. And I think with the people that we have on this phone, from the administration down to the students, I think that is highly possible. Um, so thank you all for, um, I see you, Dr. Burnett. I, I actually have an extra one for you. Um, so yeah, thank you all, Dr. Moore. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, you inspired much of this. I, thank you to the Red Door, the classic Red Door. I look forward to getting more involved with the river bats and the tornadoes. Um, Krista, congratulations. Grant, send me that proposal. Suki, thank you for putting up with me. I love you all. Keep Austin weird. Let's keep Austin safe. Y'all have a good night, and this will be available tomorrow. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Yeah, I'm not recording anymore, so we're just on here. But thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Grant, send me that proposal, Grant. I got you. Oh, you've been saying <laughs> for like six months, Grant. <laughs> Bye, Chad. All right. Yeah, this is like the after show. Thank you all for whoever's still watching. Um, hey, yeah, this is it. We have no more. This is this is this is done.